uh, we're up to Perakei. This is where he gets into um, the next step, because I think the first four Prakim are really dealing with Midot and dealing with uh, the balancing of Midot from the perspective of what we would call Tikkun HaGuf, basically. Um, the idea that the balance is essentially about um, the ideal state of the soul from a psychological standpoint. Um, and and it, in other words, what's the healthiest condition of the soul to be balanced and for reason to be determining what the, uh, you know, what the choices are that a person makes as opposed to some innate disposition to one extreme or the other. That was what we've talked about up till now. He kind of segues, even though he says that it was off the topic, I, I think that it is somewhat on the topic because in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu, he mentions at the end that what Moshe Rabbeinu does is, a, is, also, is not just a manifestation of his own psychological uh, perfection, meaning that he is in control of his emotions or not in control of his emotions, but that he is... Um, that he's also a uh, an ambassador for Yidiyat Hashem. In other words, he manifests the Darche Hashem in his conduct. What allows him to do that, of course, is the fact that his own midot are very well balanced, and therefore, when he takes an action or responds to a situation, he's going to reflect the Chuchmat Hashem in what he does, as opposed to his own predilections or whatever. And so that is... That's the story of the Chet of Moshe Rabbeinu, according to the Rambam, that there were two issues there, like we said last time. One issue was his lack of control over his emotions, which was a Chilul Hashem, but that's a general kind of a Chilul Hashem for a great person. But the other, um, and, and by the way, the, re, the way you see that that's a separate thing is that even if, let's say, a politician Lose, if you remember like Howard Dean screaming or uh, the famous uh, thing, or you remember like even during this confirmation hearings when Brett Kavanaugh became like now justice, Supreme Court justice, Brett Kavanaugh became like very emotional and, and flustered and angry during his hearing. Oh, everyone said, oh, he's obviously not a good judge because he, uh, he gets emotional and he's, and you know, he wrote like an op-ed, you know, about his uh, thing. So whatever, the, about how he got emotional because of his family and all that. Um, people expect those in authority to be uniquely in control of their emotions and not subject to their emotions. That's a separate question from whether their ideas are true or not, right? And in general, it's true that a person who has balanced and well-ordered midot is going to be more successful in their life than someone who doesn't because of practical reasons, not because of necessarily because they're the most spiritual or enlightened individual. In fact, I don't know if you guys have ever read a worthwhile book to read. I don't think I ever mentioned this book. It's funny that I never mentioned this book in all these years. I can't remember ever mentioning it. Maybe, maybe once or twice. I rarely mention it. But the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin is a, is a really interesting book. If you never read it. Um, I read... Huh? No, 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 his autobiography that he wrote about himself. Yeah, I never read the... I'm sure the Walter Isaacson one is probably also good. Generally, his his uh, books are good. The one that I read was really good. But, um, but uh, no, he wrote his own autobiography. It's very good. I read it many, many years ago, so my memory for the details is, you know, not so great. But 
In there, he talks about his own personal program for developing his midot. He talks about a lot of his personal development, like how he became a very good writer, what he did. He took very good pieces of writing and then he tried to rewrite them to imitate the style. You know, things like that. But then he talked about his own personal midot and how he would take, I think it was like every month, he took like one of a, he had a list of different character traits that he would work on. And he would balance out by, you know, overcorrecting, similar to like the Rambam's uh, approach and uh, keeping track of his progress each day on, on that particular midah until he felt that he had really, you know, achieved uh, the proper refinement of that midah. And he wasn't talking about it from the perspective of Ahavat and Yirat Hashem, even though he did believe in God, but he wasn't talking about it from that perspective. He was talking about it from the perspective of um, just personal success, to have good midot to lead to personal success. So the reason I'm mentioning that is because, um, or like if you take, for example, Stephen Covey and the seven habits of highly effective people, which is also a very, very good book. Um, I call it Mishlei for the Gentiles. It's like basically all the principles of Mishlei are in there. And the writer, again, believed in God. He unfortunately died in like a really, really, really sad accident. But he, um, he uh, like on his bicycle or whatever, but he, he mentions in there that he believed in God and he believes that the principles that organize the universe are, come from God and that if a person lives in accordance with those principles, they'll be successful. And if they don't, they won't be successful. So still the measurement of success might be material measure of success. But the methodology of living in accordance with reality still is the more effective one. And that's a lot of what Michelet talks about. Not all of what Michelet talks about, because obviously in Michelet is also an indication of what your purpose should be. But for any given purpose, for any given purpose, having a character that's properly balanced is going to be a great tool for success. You see what I'm saying? So that, that, that's just a, that's a pre... That's for any area in which a person wants to succeed. The discipline of the proper character is going to be a, uh, an advantage. And without making a commitment to the particular goal, okay? So up till now, the Rambam has maybe intimated here and there what the goal might be, but has not really gotten into it in detail, uh, except where he mentions Moshe Rabbeinu, that his actions don't just reflect on him, but also are expressions of his Yidiyat Hashem and his understanding of the will of God. Now he gets into what should the purpose be that you utilize because since we are made up of a Sechel, in other words, the point is if the Sechel is running your choices, if you choose I want to be a despot and tyrannical despot and run a country, okay, having perfected Midot will help you because you will, uh, you will make the wisest and most adaptive decisions in every case and you'll end up being able to achieve power and then uh, maintain your power. Meaning it's good in any, in, in business, if you make dispassionate, intelligent decisions, you will, uh, you don't take too much risk, but not too little risk. You, uh, you, don't, you don't hoard too much money, but you don't spend too much. All of those things are, you know, you don't get too angry because then you're going to make bad decisions, but you're not impassive when, uh, totally passive when, uh, when terrible things happen and don't respond. All of those things are good balances to have that you're evaluating the objective demands of a situation. You're going to succeed no matter what your purpose is. 
you'll be more successful. And every, if you look at why leaders fail, it's always because one of these areas, they're imbalanced. Either, I think it was Harry Truman that said, you know, either money or women has brought down every, you know, great leader. So like, you know, it's, uh, or, e- or pure ego, of course, is another, uh, is another possibility. Like in the case of, let's say, Hitler, thank God he w- had a, an ego that destroyed him before he did more evil than uh, he already had accomplished. But, you know, the over, uh, overestimation of their ability to fight against the Russians or whatever, you know, because he thought that he was invincible. Or uh, so he took too much risk and it was stupid risk and then he, he ended up losing. Or, you know, these great people, great men in positions of power that end up falling subject to the pleasures of the flesh and making very bad decisions that destroy their lives and their lives completely unravel because they can't control their instincts. Um, That's, you know, even though their purpose in life might be not the highest purpose, their ability to to achieve whatever purpose they're aiming at is compromised by their inability to manage their midot. So that's that's a separate piece in the midot world in the midot you know study from what what you should be using your good midot for. All right, now um, that, uh, that's just an important thing that I think the Rambam uniquely identifies that uh, by putting it as a sort of separate chapters from uh, this. So now he says, So first of all, he says. Uh, now look at how he says it. Uh, it's very, very nice the way he words it. I want to see if it's the same word that I, word that I have. Yeah. In mind, they're saying, although I think that that yud is extra. Yeah, she abed, it should say kochot nafsho. Whoever types these in, sometimes there are mistakes. Um, because she avid is not right. But the, it's she abed. But that a person should subordinate all of, or sublimate all of the forces of his soul According to hadat, meaning according to according to intellect, according to rationality, number one. Okay, that's why he says That's one thing that you're in that you're, the powers of the soul are are subordinated to the mind. And then he places before his mind a single purpose. Meaning the apprehension of Hashem accord, uh, by, uh, according to the ability of a person to have it. To know God. And a person should make it that all of their actions, all of their motions, all of their resting even, meaning the positioning, everything that they do, all of their words will bring to this end. To the point that there's no extra, there's no hevel in their actions, meaning there's nothing that they're doing that is for a fleeting satisfaction, fleeting, uh, of fleeting significance. What's the definition of hevel? Interesting. That we, we should have referred to this when we were studying Kohelet, right? According to the Rambam here is giving you a nice key to understand the Psukim in Kohelet. What is the definition of hevel? An action that doesn't reach the, uh, the, the ultimate goal. It's called Hevel. Right, that's what he's saying. That was your definition there too. Was it? Yeah. Oh, Leading, okay. Uh, um, ephemeral. Yeah, ephemeral thing. Okay, so maybe, maybe it influenced my mind without me realizing. But I definitely didn't remember that he made this point here, but it's very re- relevant to uh, Kohelet. Yeah. 
בסדר? אגב, המשל בו שישים הכוונה באכילתו, ושתייתו, ומשקלו, the person should make the intent of his eating and his drinking and his sexual relations, ושנתו, and his sleeping, או ושנתו, rather, וקיצתו, his sleeping, his getting up, ותנועתו, his, motion, his movement, ומנוחתו, his resting, בבריאות גופו לבד, אוקיי? Okay? והכוונה בבריאות גופו, שתמצא נפש כלעם בריאים שלמים לקנות בחוכמות וקנות מעלות עמידות השכליות עד שיגיל תכלית ההיא. That the purpose of everything that he does physically, his eating, his drinking, sexual relations, sleeping, waking, moving, and so on, should be for the health of his body. But what's the purpose of the health of his body? That the soul, see that's what I was saying before, really the person who wants to be healthy, Also, a guy who is like a fitness guy will be like, yeah, you have to balance your diet, you have to balance your exercise, you have to rest, you have to do this. Why? Because they want health, because health is their goal, right? So they realize that discipline is necessary to achieve any meaningful goal, even within the body. So he says, first of all, you have to make sure your body is healthy, but what's the reason for your body being healthy? So your soul finds that it has the tools to acquire knowledge, acquire the ma'alot ha'midot v'sichliot, get the, you know, further perfect the midot uh, of the soul, And the intellectual midot, uh, because these are two things. Um, there's the, uh, they're the qualities of the, um, because once you have wisdom, your ability to refine the midot is going to be even greater because you're going to have a better understanding, better and better understanding of what the middle path really is, what the proper, that's why it's called derecha chachamim. The Rambam always calls it derecha chachamim because you can't really have perfected midot without knowledge. It would be like if a person... Like I, I, I once saw a parent that they wanted to make sure that their kids had, you know, uh, didn't only eat dessert, they also ate healthy food. So for every one piece of vegetable they had, they had one piece of candy. But that is not actually a balanced diet. That has the appearance of a balanced diet, but that clearly is not actually balanced. Um, so uh, there has to be a lot more of the vegetable and possibly less of the candy for it to be a good diet. But you would have to have some knowledge of nutrition to realize that, and uh, the more that you have, the better. So he's also so he's saying, your malota midot will be better the more you understand knowledge. And also, you'll perfect your intellect to be able to So in other words, everything is operating and is instrumental to this ultimate purpose. What is a mitzvah that actually highlights, and I've mentioned this many, many times before, a mitzvah that actually highlights the whole idea of like what the Rambam calls, or what, what Mishleh calls, no God in all of your ways, is, uh, is the sukkah. The idea of the sukkah, meaning Yom Kippur, is a day that you focus on the ultimate purpose of Yediyat Hashem, and... Uh, And Sukkot is when you focus on how your, your ephemeral life, your life of uh, material life is supposed to be instrumental. That's why you're eating, you're drinking, you're sleeping, and all of these things are supposed to take place in the Sukkah, which is, a, uh, which is a, supposed to be a place that the Shem Hashem is called upon it, which means that it's a place that orients you to an awareness of Shekhinah, but not when you're learning and, and praying when you're eating and drinking. In fact, if you're learning and praying, you're allowed to do it, or you're supposed to learn outside the Sukkah, not in the Sukkah. And praying, it's, uh, it's, uh, you could do it in the sukkah or not. Because there's an aspect of, of tefillah that is uh, about the physical needs and there's an aspect that is, uh, that is about intellectual reflection. But pure intellectual reflection you would do uh, outside the sukkah because sukkah is about aligning your material life with your ultimate purpose. And, 
And that's the uh, that's why all those elements are found in uh, in the sukkah. But anyway, when a person is seeking the healthy way, the good way, shouldn't be just thinking about enjoyment. Don't think only about eating and drinking things that taste good. Don't reach for more tadig. Reach for more of the uh, of the sabzi. The sabzi is more. Uh, uh, the vegetables, not the not the tadig. Everyone wants more tadig. They get the biggest piece of tadig and only and the biggest amount of rice, and they put a little bit of a chorish on a huge amount of rice. Right? That's that's not the the good thing. Right? That's what he's telling you. We're translating it into Farsi, the uh, the the instruction, so we understand. Right? So the um, the aval uh, The truth is, a chorish is, is actually not. Very unhealthy because it doesn't have a huge amount of meat. It has a lot of vegetables. It's just that people do put a lot of rice. That's like the main thing that makes it unhealthy most of the time. It's not the actual the actual meat and vegetables itself that's necessarily bad. He should always look at what's instrumental and useful. If something turns out that it's useful and also sweet, so that's good, right? For example, what's very healthy? Watermelon. Right, hendune, very healthy. Right, it's, it's, it, it has a lot of, it's, it's good for you, it doesn't have a lot of, it's sweet and tastes good, but it's mostly water, it's filling, uh, it doesn't have a lot of calories, and it, it tastes like it has a lot of sugar, but it actually doesn't. You know, there's a lot of fruits like that, that they're very, like a lot of fruits could be very delicious, and they're very, uh, they're very healthy. Berries, berries are actually among the best things you can eat. Berries, strawberries, blueberries, things like that. They're some of the best things you can eat health-wise, and they also taste really good. So there you go. It's a win-win. She is but from time to time you got to eat broccoli or whatever you think does. A lot of people don't like broccoli. I like broccoli, but you know, people don't like it. You have to eat vegetables even though they don't taste good. Or sometimes you have to go and eat sweet things, not because. Um, not because uh, it's good to eat sweet things intrinsically, because because it's chokhmat refuah. Kemisha chalishat avato lemachal v'ireu b'mzonot ametubalot arivot. Like if a person is losing their uh, interest in food, so you give them tasty food to try to uh, encourage them to eat again, to eat better. Fine. Shenever jadam etavelan. Right. V'chenim titorer alav. That's, that's depression, actually. It's called marashchua, usually. Right? If you have the, because they believe that the, um, they believe that in the, uh, the theory of humors. Did you ever le- learn about that? You know, the idea that there are like different um, bodily fluids called humors in the body that determine if you are happy, if you are sad. And if a person has a lot of marashchua, it means that they have a lot of, um, it means that they have like depression. Um, and, uh, and so they would call it mashkha, meaning that you have too much of the black humor. It's make, not humor in the sense of funny, haha humor. Humor meaning these types of liquids, right? So they, 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 they called it mashkha, the, the but it means that the person's depressed. So you should go to the Hasidish Tish. They have nigunim, right? They have a, they sing and they have a nice thing. Uh, they should go to parks, beautiful Parks, beautiful buildings, they can go look in, at beautiful paintings, okay, or sculptures, 
So that he's going to remove the depression from himself. The purpose of all of it is that his body should be better aligned. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, for some, everyone has a different, some people, visual stimuli help them get out of a, a, a sad time. If they're feeling down, sometimes music helps, sometimes exercise helps. Every, everybody has a different uh, fix. But what's the purpose in a healthy body? It's to acquire knowledge, meaning whether it's psychological health, such as depression, that the person's going to see beautiful things in order to, uh, in order to alleviate depression, or whether it's physical disorder, right? That the... Um, that when a person is uh, acquiring money, he sh- his ultimate uh, his ultimate goal in acquiring money should be uh, to utilize it uh, for the uh, for a higher purpose. And should have it for his bodily uh, needs to continue his existence. So that he can know God, whatever is possible to know. So, in other words, he's trying to tell you that all of your actions, even as you're involved in the acquisition of material. So he starts from within the body always, right? The physical uh, health, then the psychological health, because uh, one without the other still isn't good. And then, uh, and then finally the material acquisitions. In other words, these are the ways that a person should not praise himself. The Rambam says there that over there means like uh, social skills and uh, practical skills. Right, and he shouldn't praise himself for being a gibor, for being in good health and being strong. And ashir b'oshro, a person who's wealthy, he shouldn't praise himself because he's wealthy. And the Rambam says it goes in that order. He says in the Mor Nebuchim, I think, I think it's in the Mor Nebuchim that he says, yeah, that he says that, yeah, it's in the Mor Nebuchim that he says that it's um, that that's in order because it starts with what's more proper to the person, his skills and his understanding but about the practical matters, right? And then it goes to the bodily state of the person's body, which is more him than his acquisitions. And then finally the acquisitions uh, that he has, the material possessions, that a person shouldn't praise himself in that, but what? Uh, what should a person praise himself? Knowing God, right? So the idea is that none of these are, these are all instrumental to a higher purpose. And therefore, so notice how he says two things. For, he mentions that there are things that you might do that are purely for the sake of the body, meaning you might eat sweet things for the health of the body. You might look at beautiful things or listen to beautiful music for the health of the psyche, okay? But, and, and so the immediate, the immediate uh, proximate goal is health of the body or health of the psyche, but the ultimate goal is the achievements of the mind, Right, that's that's what he's trying to show you. So let's say a person says, "I'm going to the to to exercise." The main, the proximate goal of exercise is for the body to be healthy. But that's not the ultimate goal, right? That's that's what he's trying to say. And if you and really, uh, most of this is found in Hilchot Ot of the Rambam. What he what what's unique about Shmona Prakim is that he connects it to his whole idea of the soul. And the uh, you know and how it connects to the nature of the soul. I think that's really where the where the chidush comes in. A lot of these ideas are in Hilchot Deot as well. Or if you look like the Rambam, um, he says all of these things really in one way or another in Hilchot Deot. 
like uh, his conclusions uh, on these subjects. Um, and uh, where is it? He says. that a person, you know, that a, where he speaks about how a person, all of their actions should be directed towards Yad Yad Hashem. Where is that exact one? The line where he says it. And he has his whole piece on health here and his health knowledge and things like that. actual line where he says that, but now it's not jumping out at me. It's like in the middle. All right, uh, it'll come later. But, um, what, what was the point outside of the, the words? like? Yeah, I just wanted to get the way he formulated it. It was very crisp in the Mishnah to I remember, but... Uh, oh, here it is. It's right in the mic in front of my face. Yeah, he, and then he, I mean, the way that he formulates it is just a little more direct. But the main actual reason why I wanted to look at the Mishnah to was a different reason, which is that if you look at the beginning of every book of the Rambam, you know that he has a pasuk in the beginning, Right. And I think I've mentioned it before. And all those psukim are really, really critical for a lot of times for understanding the um, understanding the, the 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 goal of the uh, the purpose of the. Uh, when I was talking with Rabbi Phillips, the rabbi that wrote that book, uh, um, Judaism Reclaimed, I had a lunch with him like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's actually coming out with a book on halacha now. It's actually really good on Talmud. More, it's very good. Also, he showed me the manuscript, and, uh, and we were talking about that, and I was giving him an example of how, from the Rambam, you can get a lot of iyun. You can understand a lot of the questions asked on the Rambam, and I give him the example of uh, how in, there's a, a, a lot of the halachot, let's say, of chametz and matzah, are repeats of halachot in machalot asurot. They're repeats, for example, the fact that you can't have even a tiny amount of chametz. He learns it from a pasuk. Right, kol lotochelu, or the fact that you can't eat chametz mixed into a mixture of other things. If there's a kazayit, you know, uh, in every uh, certain amount, you're, you you're also liable for eating chametz, right? But that's true about all prohibited foods. Why would you? Why do you need a pasuk to tell you that that's true in the case of chametz? You know, he has all, and all of the achronim kind of like. They said the idea that asur b'mashu is true about any prohibited item because we say or asur it's an open thing, or the fact that hanaa that it's asur b'hanaa all all uh, foods prohibited foods are asur b'hanaa unless the Torah tells you otherwise. That's the, the Rambam already told us that in Hilchot Machalot Asurot. So why do you need all of these extra halachot and uh, and so they go through all kinds of pilpulim to try to explain like why the Rambam. 
brings another pasuk to substantiate what he already told you in Machalot Asrot, because after all, chametz is just another example of prohibited foods, right? But I, I was showing him that that's, that's exactly what the Rambam is trying to indicate to us by dividing things into different books. That the print that Machalot Asrot is about Kedusha, it's in Sefer Kedusha, which means that, the, that over there the purpose is the discipline in the area of instinct. The not eating of chametz is not about the discipline in the area of instinct because not eating chametz is only one week out of the year. The purpose, where, where does not eating chametz come? Not eating chametz comes in Sefer Zmanim. What's the pasuk of Sefer Zmanim? You should know all the pasukim of the Rambam Sfarim. Na'achalti edvotecha le'olam ki sison li bihema. I inherited your testimonies eternally because they give joy to my heart. They are the joy of my heart. Most of the psukim come from like Tehilim uh, Kufyutet. Some of them come from Mishlei. But what does that mean? It means that Edot, these are all things that are testimonies to some idea in Yidiyat Hashem that I need to focus on. So when it comes to Chametz, the prohibition on eating Chametz is not because of a partaking of a certain indulgence of the body. It's a symbolic uh, 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 kind of a uh, restriction. It's because of what chametz represents in the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim or in the framework of Avodat Hashem, depending on how you understand the reason behind chametz and matzah. But the idea is that chametz is prohibited not because it's an, indul- an instinctual indulgence. It's prohibited in order to be an ed on something else. It's an edut on something. And therefore you might not know that the halachot of, uh, of, of kashrut, let's say, of machalot asurot that are about the restriction of instinct, like you shouldn't even have a tiny amount because you're giving in a little bit, to, you know, like, or, or if it's mixed in with another food, you're still benefiting and enjoying that, that prohibited food. Since it's about enjoyment, so then the fact that enjoyment is prohibited and all that comes along with the package, Right. But when it comes to chametz, where really the idea is what it represents, so maybe you'll think once it's diluted in a mixture, it won't be uh, the same thing. Once it, only a small mashahut won't be uh, enough. Uh, you know, maybe it won't be prohibited in hanaah because it's it's about the eating of it that you know that they didn't eat it. You know, so uh, you know all of these things are chidushim. So the point is, once you see the Rambam lays everything out in books to show you certain themes, so that, that was the most a side point that I ever did, but I just want to, I want to show you that like when he talks about uh, money, when he talks about money in, uh, in the Mishneh uh, Torah, what, what pasuk does he have in money? When he talks about Sefer, uh, Sefer Kinyan, what is Sefer Kinyan? The pasuk, Reshit Chuchma Kene Chuchma, Uvchol Kinyan Necha Kne Bina. That has absolutely nothing to do with acquiring material things because the whole book of Sefer Kinyan is about buying and selling and things like that, material things, right? But he says, he brings a pasuk, Reshit Chokhmah, Kene Chokhmah. The first thing in wisdom is to acquire wisdom. And in all of your Kinyanim, Kene Bina. What does that mean? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to gain an insight into a halachic, uh, wisdom or Tanakh wisdom in every business deal that you make. Uvchol kinyan bina means that every kinyan you make, you should realize it's instrumental to your purpose of greater bina. Right? And that's like what he's saying here. Right? Now, 
ועל זה ההיקש שיש למנחות הרפואות מבוא גדול מאוד במעלות וידיעת השם. And you should realize that medical knowledge, therefore, play, is a big entrance into the framework of ידיעת השם. ובהגיע להצלחה אמיתית. And for reaching true success. ויהיה לימודה ובקשתה עבודה מן העבודות הגדולות. Therefore, לימודה, it's, it's study and it's search is a great service. Okay? Meaning, knowledge of health. is a great avodat Hashem. It's not like weaving or, uh, or carpentry. Because how do we measure our actions and know? And make our actions human actions. It probably should say, I would guess, right? Is that a mistake? Let me see if it's a mistake or not. My version has Amitiot. It does, right? Yeah, sometimes there's typos in here. That's why I don't love these websites. Anyway, right, it will bring you to the, to the uh, to perfection, basically. He's saying, because you measure your actions. Uh, 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 or he says, uh, He gets a good smelling, tasty food. But it's damaging. Right, he wants it. Or he could die from it. Right, that makes you and the animal the same thing. Right? So you see, saying that, um, that if a person simply goes for what is tasty or satisfies the instinct, he's basically being an animal. And that's why it says, This doesn't come from true humanity, this kind of eating. It comes from you being a, 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 a part of the animal kingdom. That's a pasuk. You know, from the end of the Mizmor that you read in the Bet Avel. Right? When it says, uh, when it says uh, if a person is, doesn't live Uh, in the proper way, nimshal kabemot nidmu. He's gonna. He's like an animal, right? Vomnam yepoil enoshi. It's a it's a poil enoshi kishiochala moil levad. When you're eating only what is instrumental, what is practical. Upamim yani achayariv viochala nimas. Sometimes you'll have to set aside the candy, except in Israel when it's healthy, right? Viochala viochala nimas. I have to eat the thing. It's disgusting. Kafib bakashat moil because that's what's necessary. Everyone remembers Rocky drinking raw egg shakes. Nowadays, we would say that that's really bad because of salmonella. But back then, it was still disgusting, but there was a true, true uh, Rocky who wanted to train and get a lot of protein in his body. He would do that, right? Now, and since this is action in accordance with the intellect, Right? In this, an, a person is distinguished from others in his, uh, meaning from other creatures in his actions. If a person uh, uh, engages in relations, marital relations, without measuring what is good and bad in terms of his development, he just goes for the instinct. That's just an animal action. It's not really a human action. Hypothetically, a person could totally live in accordance with, what's in, with, with what is practical. This is what I was mentioning before. In other words, a person could achieve perfection in midot in the sense that he only chooses what is best for his body all the time. Right? There are people like that. There's this guy, Dr. Furman, 
he's like, uh, he, he wrote that, uh, he wrote this book uh, called Eat to Live about healthy diet and all that. Very, very disciplined, healthy diet. And it's uh, many of the things that he talks about really are uh, like animal protein being very harmful for you, almost all animal products being bad for you. And uh, what kind, how you should eat a lot of berries. He has a lot of stuff like, my, actually my sister-in-law went to him for her, she had severe asthma. And he said, if you just stop eating dairy, you will not have asthma and it completely disappeared. Now he's a, you know, he's a, he knows a lot. Anyway, he's a guy that he follows a very rigid diet, right? But he's not a, he's not a uh, philosopher. He's a doctor, right? So meaning you can do that to, pre- to preserve your body. This is not a, a pious person. Now here's an interesting thing. So he says, just like one guy chooses the enjoyment of food, which is a physical enjoyment, or the enjoyment of relations is a physical enjoyment, this guy chooses the enjoyment of uh, physical health, that it's more pleasant, he doesn't have suffering, he doesn't have bodily pain, right? he's able to, he, he feels good from being healthy, he doesn't get sick as much, and so on. It's just a different type of bodily choice. It's not a, well, it's not a, uh, it's not a uh, superior kind of a choice. So that's, that's where he's saying like what I was saying before. It's a practicality, in the realm of practicality, the, the mind ruling the body is also a benefit. But like, let's say, you know, you have these people who are fitness gurus, okay? Fitness gurus, the fitness lifestyle, right? There's, there's two types. There are the fitness gurus who are very trim and very fit. And then there are like the bodybuilder types. They're all different kinds, right? They, for them, the fitness and the lifestyle is a goal in itself. In fact, I talked about this one time with the girls class, I remember. And one of them was like, I used to be exactly like, before they started learning to that was their whole life. It was just fitness and this, and the whole lifestyle of fitness and like learning to changed their life. And these are not a takhlit amitit. Everything that relates to his body, should, the goal should be health. Right? He should keep his body in the most perfect way. So he says what you should do is all of your effort in the physical realm should be to, for health so that your body, your soul has the powers that it needs, the instruments that it needs to uh, be involved in knowledge of God be involved in malota midot and malota sechliot, perfecting your actions and, and uh, character and perfecting your, in, your mind. And uh, everything that the chuchmot uh, and the deot have to teach you. In other words, either uh, any kind of a, a subject, it could either be a subject which is in and of its, in its substance gives you a, knowledge, a greater knowledge of God or a greater knowledge of how to live life in a wise way. Or it could be something which is, it gives you a practical insight into how to uh, attain or maintain physical or mental health, right? Um, so now we, in Bodino Dvarim, it says there's no question what the, uh, what the, what the way is um, 
uh, you know, in other words, if you, in terms of what the substance of knowledge of God is, you know, you learn, uh, we know that a person, in order to get to the substance of knowledge of God, uh, you study, uh, you know, you, you have to study the, uh, uh, all kinds of other disciplines as well. But he says, like, but he says that, in other words, when, even when, he, what he's saying is like this, that, even in that realm of you have to be selective with what you do. There could be certain kinds of a knowledge that isn't going to bring you to Yediyat Hashem. Right? There's, not every kind of knowledge is equally valuable. That's what he's saying. So he's saying that doing math, a lot of math problems. He's probably talking there about some kind of geometry, v'tachbulot, okay? V'ulahbot mishalot ulhandasa. In mine, I have uh, right, or to have a lot of things in in engineering, shichata mishkalim, pulling different kinds of weights, measurements, and things like that. V'arbeke yotei beile. Haya kavana bem lechadet esechel. In other words, learning mathematics and geometry and these kinds of subjects are good for perfecting the mind. Right, so that's uh, perfecting the mind in in proofs. So the person knows the proper syllogisms for logical conclusions and so on. And he can distinguish that from a bad proof. The, the Ramchal talks about that a lot in Sefer HaGayon, differentiating good proofs from bad proofs. Or also in uh, in his book on Gemara, uh, in he says that the, you know, sometimes a, a proof, there are different kinds of proofs and disproofs, you have to know what's what. Through this, he'll end up coming to a real knowledge of God. In other words, what he's saying is that you have to know, even in the realms of knowledge, that not all knowledge is equally valuable. There are some areas of knowledge that are preparatory to other ones, like mathematics. If a person spends their entire life in abstruse questions of mathematics that have no connection to understanding of God, so they will get lost in that and they will not, it will not bring them to a knowledge of God. They will just be involved in something which is essentially refining the logical process but not having any content to, uh, to, to logically reason about. Uh, just like a person could get involved in... Uh, that's why you see that not many Chachmei Yisrael in the past were... like Some of them were doctors and some of them were... Uh, some of them were um, scientists, but not a lot of them were historians, which is interesting. Like history is very involved with a lot of material details about the past that have little or no relevance to. They're just interesting, you know. They're just. Wouldn't Haraban doesn't he say in other places history is one of the places where we see it's nature and history, so we see the. Right, but I'm, I'm exactly. You can learn from history, but the question is, if you want to get in, become a historian, you have to deal with a ton of stuff that's only interesting. It doesn't really have any idea behind it. History wouldn't, in, in these terms, it wouldn't be a means as much as it is an end. We, there is what to learn. Right. Oh, there's, there is what to learn. It's just a question of if you go into it, and let's say you want to know what kind of uh, glasses did, uh, Einstein, did did Einstein wear. I, I want to know exactly, or what kind of glasses he didn't actually wear glasses. What kind of glasses did Benjamin Franklin wear? 
Um, so uh, th- that could, you could go and look for all kinds of documents, try to find out what glasses store he went to and uh, who made his glasses and find the receipts and all the kinds of stuff that these historians do that they dig up um, all kinds of uh, information about what kind of clothes did they wear and what kind of uh, horse did he ride and what exact school did he go to. And all these things are just interesting and we might be curious about them, but they don't promote Yediyat Hashem. Uh, things about his life that really do teach us ideas, then it's valuable, of course. Just a lot, of, the vast majority in specialties like that of what they're doing is not really shedding light on the ideas that there are there to learn from, uh, from those historical events. That's, that's the difficulty. That's the difficulty. Like sometimes there is, sometimes there's great insight to be gained from history, but it's not usually in those details. So that's what he's saying. He's saying a person, and you know, and I admit, I've mentioned a million times. You know, the Ramchal says the same thing. The Ramchal says the same thing in Der Chokma that a person has to, even in even in Torah, has to limit what he learns. Meaning, if you're not a Dayan, you don't need to know every detail of the Hilchot Gitin and Hilchot uh, Dayanut that pertain to the adjudication of very very specific cases in uh, Betin. You don't need to know. I had a book this thick, this, I'm not exaggerating, just on how to spell different foreign names in a get. So, you know, it's like somebody needs to have that book and memorize that book or have that book hand. They don't even memorize it. Even on the bed, then they open the books all the time to look up the things. I, I was there and that was with probably the, one of the greatest Dayanim in, in, uh, alive today and uh, he needed to look things up in the book. You know, so uh, so it's you know, they look up those little details, but the point is somebody needs those books, but it might not be useful for you to learn through those the details of those books. It might be useful for you to know why it's important that the name be in a get and why it's important that it be correct, but it probably wouldn't be as useful for you to know every single name from a person. How old? How names from France and names from Argentina need to be spelled in a get? Probably wouldn't help you very much, right? So that's what he says. In in he says that an expert, just like in any field, you can familiarize yourself with science, um, with biology, to appreciate God's work. You don't need to know biology to the level a doctor needs to know it, and it might not help you much to know it to that level in your idiatajem. Um, and so on and so forth. But the Ramchal even brings that in Divrei Torah and the Rambam also, I mean, he does. He says in one of his letters that you know, a lot of the stuff that we do in Gemara, maybe it's useful to go through it, but it's not useful to focus on it because it's not a path to Yediyat Hashem. It's not the essential. And the, and the truth is it goes all the way back to Chovot HaLevavot because in the introduction to Chovot HaLevavot, it's very famous that he says that he, he met somebody who knew was, they were arguing about some very, uh, 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 very remote case in Hilchot Gitin. He said that will never happen and never, never has happened and never will happen. And if you, but if you ask them something about the fundamentals of the religion, they don't know. You know? But they, but they know all about, uh, Abstruse questions in in halacha. Okay. Anyway, let's just do. Yeah. I'm not saying that there are there are uh, areas of scholarship that are worthwhile to invest more time in some that are not worth. He's saying that in in all areas of knowledge and um, realms of study, there is 
there's what to gain and there's what that's irrelevant. Is that correct? Almost all areas, yeah. There might be some areas where everything is beneficial. But in most areas, that's not going to be the case. You know? In most areas, it's about trimming down and refining your activities in accordance with purpose, right? That's usually how you become a more focused uh, person is when you, and I think if you, uh, if you sit down and say, and, you know, if you sit down and say to yourself, um, what is my real purpose? Is this, is this book I'm reading bringing me closer to that purpose? Is this activity I'm doing bringing, close, bringing me closer to my purpose? A businessman can say that in his own life too. Meaning it's always a question, whenever you're purpose-driven, you ask what things that you're doing are either holding you back from or are, are, uh, are superfluous relative to your ultimate purpose and you try to trim that down. But another Rambam does say, don't think that just because you're relaxing, it's superfluous. Don't think just because you're going to look at beautiful things, it's superfluous because your psyche also needs to be healthy. Just because you're listening to beautiful music, it doesn't mean it's superfluous. If all you do all day long is doing that, that might be a little bit of a problem. But not every, you don't have to, don't deny the reality of the psyche and think that only the body has to be healthy. Right? And, uh, okay, so then let's see how much longer he goes on this point. Then he's going to talk about, I mean, let's just finish this paragraph. Right? When it comes to speech, a person should only speak about things that will bring to his soul some benefit or get rid of a damage either from, for his soul or his body. He says a person should either speak about wisdom or about a certain perfection or should praise a perfection or a perfected person, or denigrate a imperfection or an imperfected person, a, a despicable person, whatever. Because basically criticizing, he calls it cursing, but criticizing the faults and the defects in low-level people, if the purpose is not to enjoy putting them down, but it is actually to dissuade people from following that path, that's good. Because what does Hashem say? He says, don't imitate Mitzrayim and don't imitate Kenan. The, um, uh, and uh, it should probably say, the Sipuras Domim, right? And the story of the people of Sodom. The, talking about the people of Sodom, and whenever the Torah describes to us the ginut, the, the, the disgrace of the people who are imperfect, and whatever it praises the good people and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and extols them. So, so the purpose is that people should follow the path of those who are good and get away from the path of those who are bad. And, you know, one of the girls uh, in, in, uh, that I was teaching this year was raising the question of, you know, why does the Torah speak badly about certain people? Um, it was actually one of the Mashadi girls, she asked in, in Eshel, you know, why does the, uh, it, it, we, we're not supposed to say Lashon Hara, so why does the Torah get into describing people in a negative way, expose their, uh, <clears throat> their flaws and so on? 
And the other rabbis that she asked, she, they didn't have uh, satisfying answers. I'm not sure if, I, if she found my answer satisfying either, but she asked me after having asked other rabbis who felt that this was a very good question. And what I said was that, um, I didn't quote this Rambam actually, but what I said was that, um, was that Lashon Hara is bad because when you speak badly about other people, the goal of Lashon Hara is always to give yourself a feeling of superiority by exposing the defects of the other person. Either with other people, you're making fun of the other person because you can pat yourself on the back and feel superior to them, or whatever, or simply because you want to discredit them in order to shine a better light on yourself. Uh, in some way or another, it's satisfying a base desire on your part to speak badly about the other person. Whereas when the Torah speaks badly about somebody, Hashem's intent, obviously, is not to feel superior over the bad person. It's to teach you something. So whenever you're involved in, in limud and you're trying to teach and you're trying to educate, so there's not, it's not considered Lashon Hara because uh, Lashon Hara is where the purpose is defined by the purpose, defined by the purpose of... Uh, that that the that's why you know it's interesting that you know this, the Chavetz Chaim wrote a whole book two two books um, he wrote uh, uh, the Sefer Chavetz Chaim that he's famous for and Shmuat Lashon there are two different books one book is more on like you could call it the agadic aspects of Lashon Hara sort of like the philosophy of Lashon Hara and one of them is like the halachot of Lashon Hara where he's very strict as the, as was known like the Chavetz Chaim is extremely strict and the, and I read that uh, Rav Yisrael Salanter did not would not give a uh, Haskama to that book. I don't know if that's Lashon Hara, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, he, he, he wouldn't give Haskama to that book, and there were a lot of Gdolei Torah that, w- that didn't like the Shmirat Lashon, even though nowadays it's like, you know, a canonical work. But it's, uh, what's the reason? Because they said that's not what Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara is, a, is a certain type of midah. It's not something that's a halacha. Meaning it's, it's not something that is uh, that is understood in terms of halakha, it's in, ter- it's in terms of the person's uh, development. So to try, try to label certain actions as uh, certain words or certain statements as lashon hara, not lashon hara, based on a technical halachic formula is missing, the, uh, is missing what lashon hara is supposed to be really, which is internalizing the idea that what you talk about reflects who you are. And like, like the Rambam says in Hilchot Tzarat, actually, he says when he talks about uh, Miriam, Right? He says that, uh, I'll have to take out my Mishneh Torah again to, to tell you because uh, we'll, we'll conclude with this. But I remember I spoke, with, it was one of the things that I remember that we, we, I learned with the girls in uh, SBM, this idea about Lashon Hara. And, uh, and I think it resonated with them, this idea that what a, what, a, you know, what a person talks about tells you where their mind is, tells you who they are more than anything. Now in Hilchot Sarat, when there are, of course, that we, according to the tradition, Hilchot Sarat comes to a person, the Tumah Sarat comes to a person because of, uh, because they engage in Lashon Hara, right? That's the, that's the, uh, and what does Rambam talks about Miriam in the end? And, uh, and he says, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's very long. It's at the end of Hilchot Sarat. Everybody should read it and know it. Okay? But he said, you might know it already, but I like what he says at the end. He talks about how starting with Lashon Hara, you begin by just talking about people, then you talk about the Tzaddikim, then you talk about Hashem, whatever. He talks about how it evolves into worse and worse. Then he says, uh, then he says uh, this is the last line, Aval Sichat Ksherei Yisrael V'Tzaddikehem 
the discussion of tzaddikim and the good people of Israel. It's only about divrei Torah and divrei chokhma. That's why Hashem values the speech of the chachamim. In other words, the idea is that a, who speaks lashon hara, a person who doesn't have. Uh, doesn't have the and he says like even a per, look at what happened to Miriam because Mir, even though Miriam was a Nevi'ah and she loved the Moshe Rabbeinu and she raised him and she she risked her life for him and all these things and she cared about him but because she denigrated she implied that he was being holier than thou by separating from his wife okay that one thing which wasn't a seeking of knowledge because if they really wanted to know they should have approached Moshe Rabbeinu and asked him Right? There was nothing wrong with the question. Right? The, 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 what was wrong was with the context that they were talking about him as if, oh, you know, who does he think he is? Right? It was sort of like they, he thinks he's better than us. So that one moment, she gets tzarat because of that. Because why? Because a truly perfected person, they're... You shouldn't get caught into the speech and the discussions of the Ameha Aretz, which are about all kinds of nonsense, um, but rather should be involved in So meaning that it shows what kind of a person you are, where your mind is, who you are, what you talk about, and, uh, and what subjects occupy you. And, uh, and, and even when it comes to talking about other people, it's not necessarily wrong to point out the flaws of other people if the goal is some kind of a growth. In that case, clearly the, the goal, it's a classic case of Lashon Ra because the goal wasn't growth. Even though they were very great people, or maybe because they were very great people, it was bad that they were talking behind the back of Moshe Rabbeinu negatively because they felt that somehow he was making them feel lower and he was being holier than that, whatever it was, right? So it's a, it's a, but it didn't have a to'elet, meaning that it wasn't for the purpose of learning something because if it had been, they would have approached him and asked him, uh, we don't understand how come we don't separate from our spouses and you do. So, uh, but whenever it's done, the shame learning, it's always considered to be okay because it's not in order to give a person a uh, sense of superiority at the expense of someone else. Okay, so I think it's a good place to, to, to stop. I mean, then he's gonna go into basically saying that the more you do this, the more limited your actions usually are, the more in line, aligned with purpose, and therefore the more refined and, uh, and, and, and uh, limited, meaning you pair away the things that are extra or that are contrary to your purpose. And he's gonna go on from there, okay? As Hashem will continue next time from here. Okay.